With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome to Between the Links with your host, Mike Heck. Once again, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Thank you for watching and listening. And man, oh man, am I excited for this matchup, ladies and gentlemen, because I woke up, we had one matchup, and then by the time I dropped my son off at school, both competitors were, were out of it. So I had to reach. I reached out to a lot of different people, and finally... We got maybe even an even better matchup this time around. Should be a good one. Coming off another busy week in MMA. We had Belcher 249. We had UFC Fight Island 6. This weekend, of course, UFC 254. Lot to talk about as usual. So let's get into this great matchup. Another, I guess, number one contender battle of wills. But we'll see what happens here. First, the multi-time champ from the past, the panelist, joins us once again. It's been a minute since we've had takes this fiery on the panel from MMAfighting.com. Mr. Jen Mishu, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Mike, I need you to tell the whole story, though. You're a journalist. You owe it to the fans to tell them what happened. You had people drop out, and then you had me step up, step in, and everybody, everybody is ducking me. Nobody wanted a part of this, except for, of course, the gentleman you're about to introduce. So full credit to him. It was a foolish decision that he has made. But I respect him for coming to take his licks because he's going up against the GOAT, the greatest of all time, the greatest BTL com- competitor ever. So well done, Aaron. Well done. Interesting that you say that because many remember his first appearance pre-MMA fighting on the show as one of the greatest of all time as he returns to the panel this week. And let me just throw this out there. This is a man that I still hear about from time to time from the viewers because many people believe he got the big fat hose job from Casey Lydon and myself when he faced Jose Young several shows ago. We're going all the way back to BTL episode number three, but he's back from TSN, one of the best of the business, Mr. Aaron Bronsetter. Aaron, welcome back, my friend. I'm happy to be back, and you are right. That was a nonsense uh, judgment. I hate to say that about Casey. He's a good man. Uh, I'm going to pull a, a, a Stephen A. Smith here. 
He's a good man. He's a, a nice man. He's a good husband. However, I definitely won that last one, and uh, I'm here to get it back. Unfortunately, Jed is an easy mark, and when you told me it was him, I uh, was happy to jump in. Uh, although, I'm, I'm sorry, maybe the better guests will come back next week. Mike, I'm sorry they bailed on you, and you had to deal with the leftovers. These are pretty darn good leftovers. Like turkey, it's like Thanksgiving, but like <laughs> yeah. 9 o'clock at night. You want to eat some turkey sandwiches, and I think that's what we got here. Some good leftovers. Better so, le- the leftovers are better than, than the original dish. Hey, throw it into a sandwich. 100%. Yeah, the stuffing, the cranberry sauce, all in, all between two pieces of bread. That's what we got here. Uh, between the bread, between the links. But let's put a bow on UFC Fight Island 6 because we have a lot to get into. Brian Ortega returns from a nearly two-year layoff. He defeats and dominates the Korean zombie. Very impressive stuff. We're going to talk more about him in a moment, I'm sure. But let's discuss the other stars of the event in Abu Dhabi, a la NHL-style Jed Mishu. Outside of Mr. Ortega... Who are your three stars from UFC Fight Island 6 and why? I mean, I, Mr. Ortega is obviously the, the first choice, but outside of him, we still had a, a couple of good showings on this card, I suppose. Um, look, let, let's not say that this card coming in was, was the most hyped, but we did end up getting some really good performances. I mean, kicked off uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov. I, I mean, one, 40 seconds KO, something 41. I'm not sure the exact time. Sub one minute KO. I know it was against a change of opponent last minute. Overmatched all those things. But, I mean, that hasn't stopped us from being super hyped about Hamzat Chimeev that he was blowing the doors off outmatched opposition. So why should we be any less excited about a man whose last name is Nurmagomedov? We shouldn't. We should be super pumped about this kid to see what he can do in the world's premier organization. He's obviously going to get a push with a last name like that. Uh, and if he has performances like that, then sky's the limit for him. Uh, I guess you, you're making me do three. The second one is just probably the number one as far as actual uh, name brand to come out of this. And that's Jessica Andrade. I mean, she is a former champion, uh, kind of the boogie woman of, of her division, uh, except for the fact that the new champion is just awesome. Uh, but Andrade has, has been in the game for a long time and done things that most women aren't capable of doing from a power, from a KO perspective. Bumps up uh, at 125 against a former title challenger and handles business in classic body-punching fashion. I mean – automatic new contender new blood which is super necessary right now because valentina shevchenko is obviously the best fighter in the sport compared to her peers and so this is at least an interesting challenger for her um for the third one i'm gonna throw you a curveball here because i know we've got some other obvious ones here you know i'm sure aaron will go with jimmy crute um just because light heavyweight needs needs help desperately and he turned in a good showing but let's let's have a little more fun with it let's go jun young park uh Anytime you're posting 30, 25 scorecards, that's just a good, that's just a good effort. You know, this guy is a guy who's a striker by nature, comes out, shows off his grappling chops. Uh, I know John Phillips isn't very good um, or isn't, yeah, I'm, I was going to couch it, but nope, it's, he's just not very good, um, which is partly why we should be a little less pump, pumped on Hamzat Chimeev, but Jun Young Park. You know, this guy's not a grappler, and he showed a lot of proficiency on the ground here, going away from his preferred style in general. So give me that for a curveball and to add a little interest here. Aaron, what do you think? Who are your three stars outside of uh, Brian Ortega? Well, I have to agree with uh, Jed on one of them, and that's 
going to be Jessica Andrade. I mean, Jessica Andrade is really the only intriguing contender now at flyweight. She was before this fight. I mean, flyweight is just, uh, unfortunately, uh, a bit of a dog's breakfast when it comes to the contenders. And I, I hate to say that. I know Lauren Murphy, if you're watching, I apologize. I think that Lauren Murphy is very talented and uh, had her opponent not dropped off. She could have made a case. But I think that in this situation, with Jessica Andrade coming in, beating the number one contender by stoppage in the first round, I mean, she shut Caitlin Chukagin's entire system down with that liver shot. I think you have to give her one of the, the stars of the night. I mean, that's, I don't think there's much of a question there. The Lauren Murphy, one, I don't apologize. I don't want you to get the next shot. Give it to Jessica Andrade, and I feel no shame in saying that. Well, you're not, you're not a gentleman. So uh, let me continue instead of interrupting me. Uh, Guram Kutataladze is my uh, second star. This is a guy who goes to Vegas with Hamza Chimaev, basically just a lobby for himself to get an opportunity. Ends up getting one on short notice and beats Matush Gamrot, who's one of the biggest European prospects to come into the UFC in a long time, was two-division champion in KSW. Kuta Taladze beats him. I think a lot of people thought that he did beat him. And then he goes on the mic and says that this is BS and that he shouldn't have won the fight and that his opponent should have won. So he's a star in two capacities because... A, you can make a case he did win that fight, and B, he didn't think he won it and said, listen, it should be, he should have won. But he, he does, takes it on short notice, comes in, puts on a great performance, so I have to give it to Akuta Teladze. And then finally, I'm going to vote for Pedro. I think Jonathan Martinez looks fantastic against uh, Thomas Almeida. Almeida coming back off after a 33-month layoff. You don't know how he's going to look. Ends up taking the fight at featherweight because Martinez had a bad weight cut last time when he took a short-notice bantamweight fight. This one bumps up to 145, and everybody knows how vicious Thomas Almeida is. He was completely neutralized. This was a total no-brainer for the judges, 30-27 across the board. Martinez has put in two great performances as of late during this pandemic era, coming uh, coming off of that really bad decision robbery uh, back in February. Uh, so I, I just think he's a real up-and-comer. And you, you look at him at Factory X, and they're putting in some real great work there. I think that he's somebody to watch in this division, not, not featherweight, of course, bantamweight, uh, when he fights at his natural weight class next time around. But this is somebody who's really refined his skills, looked really good, and came back after what I thought was a real robbery earlier in the year. Mike, just so we're clear, I am now fully expecting at the end of this when Casey jobs me out of my right and true victory <laughs> for Aaron to come out and admit that I am the better man and the victor so he can get the star bump that he was just talking about with Kutaladze. It's a rigged just, election. It's a rigged election before it happens. Putting it out there right now, <laughs> when that inevitably happens, I expect Aaron to say the, say the truth because he apparently values that. And you know me, I have never placed a premium on the truth. This is a rigged witch hunt. I agree with him. <laughs> I, I like all of your picks. I actually, kind of in the aftermath, I think James Krause could probably be right up there too because, man, did he jump on an opportunity to start busting on Joaquin Buckley, the talk of the town the week before, and everyone's been talking about that, and the video views and the page views for James Krause are, are higher than a lot of these guys, which is interesting, and they want to fight on one leg, which is nice, but <laughs> that helps. I, I love the Krause thing. I love it because there's the potential that this entire beef is fake and started by a fake Twitter account. And if that's true, it's going to make me really Apparently happy. it's not. I, I, I was like not? digging. Apparently Buckley used to talk smack on Facebook and send people Facebook messenger messages all the time. And apparently Krause took exception to something that happened like before he was even in the UFC. It was like, who's this Bellator guy harassing me on Facebook? So uh, I, I was surprised too, because this is a, a very quiet guy, Joaquin Buckley. He seems like a very like, quiet, humble guy. <laughs> but apparently the braggadocia travels uh, over to Facebook for him. I remember I was talking to Kevin Holland before his fight with Darren Stewart, and he said that Buckley pissed him off so bad that his grandfather actually made him a COVID mask with Holland smacking Buckley across the face. <laughs> and I asked him, like, what 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 he said to Holland that made him so upset? And he goes, 
He goes, I'll have to tell you another time. Like, I'm never going to say this during an interview. So apparently, <laughs> apparently Buckley, uh, apparently Bucky can ruffle, Buckley can ruffle some feathers, but you know, Aaron, I, I do want to talk about Brian Ortega. I do want to talk about Andrade. You guys already did that for me, but Ortega mm-hmm. looked outstanding. I was surprised to see him outstrike zombie for 25 minutes, but he did. And now it looks, unless something just outlandish happens, he's next for Alexander Volkanovsky in a shot at the featherweight title. So I'm curious, because this is one of the questions I had since Saturday, Aaron, from a business standpoint, from planting those seeds to get this division moving again, was this result the best case scenario for the UFC, for Volkanovsky, for everybody involved here? I think from a business standpoint, Zombie would have been a better result for them. Zombie's got this massive following. Uh, that being said, Ortega did such a ma- put on such a masterclass in that fight. And going into this fight, I said, why are people sleeping on Ortega suddenly? Like, he had one bad performance against Holloway. He's had two years off, changed his team completely. Like, we already knew how good this guy was. Not to mention that Zombie at the highest level has never been a, a huge performer. You know, we saw that thing against Yair Rodriguez. He was winning that fight for the most part, but a lot of the times he's lost fights that he should have won in the past. And there have been times where he gets to a certain level and he can't get it done. Now, we did get to a championship fight against Jose Aldo, dislocated shoulder, very unfortunate result. But I do think that Brian Ortega showed that he was an elite fighter prior to that fight against Holloway, got injured, had to rehab had to basically do it all again and, and put himself uh, back into, uh, you know, back into shape and put himself back together again. And he did so. And, you know, people were talking about the layoff, but look at his opponent, the Korean zombie goes and does military duty for three and a half years, comes back and doesn't miss a beat against Dennis Bermudez. So I think that layoffs uh, can be treated differently for people. A lot of his layoff was, was rehabbing, so he wouldn't have been training, but he, he tore his camp down, built it back up. And now look what we have with Brian Ortega. I think that he, his performance is something that's going to be a lot more marketable this time around. What do you think, Jed? Yeah, I disagree with just everything Aaron said right there. I mean, there was a lot of really good reasons to doubt Brian Ortega going to this. The first being, Brian Ortega's bad at fighting. And I know that that's a a controversial opinion, but it's one I've had for a really long time. And it's one that I'm going to keep saying all the way up until he wins the title, taps out Khabib and wins the lightweight title and gets inducted into the Hall of Fame as the greatest of all time. Because in all of the career that we have seen him compete in, he has lost every second of every fight up until he won them. And there's certainly something to be said for that, for his kind of predatory finishing ability. But I mean, go back and look at his career. Like he was just losing to everybody he fought and then he win. Then he wins. He, he gets the KO. He gets the submission. The only person he didn't pull it out on was Max Holloway. So there's, there's not a lot of tape of Brian Ortega beating people up inside the cage for protracted periods, except for this past weekend, obviously. I mean, you can't. You got to take your hat off to him. Can't say anything bad about that performance. But I mean, heading into the performance, Brian Ortega hadn't beat. Had you know, he took the two-year layoff. He did not hold the win over a single currently ranked opponent or a currently ranked featherweight. Like, I think there's a real justifiable argument that even beating Zombie Ortega doesn't deserve a title shot at this point. He has one top 15 ranked win right now. Like, there's. I, I know that that's an incredible win, and I'm not going to buck about him getting a shot against Volkanovski, but he has not done a lot in the context of, of this division. I mean, in the time since he has picked up wins, that big gap, Volkanovski basically put together his entire run in the UFC. So a lot of reasons to, to doubt him. Good for him. He showed us that you know those doubts were misplaced. Um, and, you know, I, I think beating Zombie, I, I can disagree more with Zombie not performing on the biggest stage. I mean, this man has had a career that stretches forever. If you're going to knock him for getting knocked out by Yair Rodriguez with 
arguably the greatest KO of all time. Like just an insane Hail Mary that gets him. Uh, now for me, man, I think Zombie's the man. I would have loved to see Zombie fight Volkanovski. I wish they had set that fight up regardless. You know, I, I don't think Zombie needed another win to get in there. And now I don't think he ever will. But I mean, I guess Volkanovski Ortega is going to be okay. Um, and I, I think it's probably... Fine. I think I don't think you're getting a big difference from a marketing standpoint either way here. Uh, but really, they have the best fight they can get for him. The UFC just won't do it. It's Henry Cejudo. That's the fight that should be made from a business perspective. But nobody wants to talk about quadruple C. Nobody wants to do it. Uh, Jed, I mean, I, I was going to cut you off, but I figured I'd just let you continue to talk because you're just backing yourself into a total corner. You know, at no point in that rambling incoherent <laughs> response, you even closed anything that could be considered a rational thought. You know, everybody in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. Man, I really appreciate uh, the Billy Madison reference, but I we're old, so it's cool. A lot of the new people who? listening to this probably don't know, <laughs> don't know what's about? going on there because that movie's like 30 years old. So, I'm a young man. Okay. I don't even know who Billy Madison is. It's a Google. great movie. I should, I should look it up. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great movie. And the fact that you didn't know that. No, I'm just kidding. That was a excellent use of the principle in the quote. And when you have a matchup and a, and a, and a round that close, you're going to lean towards creativity. So Aaron is on the board with the first point of the matchup. But I, I, I like I'm going to lean towards to creativity of the man who quoted a film. <laughs> What? Well, the, the the idea to quote the film is where the creativity stems from, Jed. I don't yes. think it's You're working backwards. You're working in reverse, Jed. You're working in reverse. You got to work in creative plagiarism. How about that? If plagiarism is creative, then I have a bone <laughs> to pick with some of my law school professors. <laughs> See, the, the, there's reasons for all this. Now Jed's fired up. Now Jed's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, and that means Look, I already called what's going to happen. We all know what's going to happen. I'm going to get robbed on the Rigged witch hunt. I got it. Rigged witch hunt. <laughs> We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, all right. Well, let's move ahead to Saturday because UFC 254 is going down. I feel like we've been waiting for this event the entire Fight Island trip and even before that. Habib versus Justin Gaethje, the main event for the undisputed 155-pound strap. This doesn't need much more of a build from us because the fight is amazing. And I have to say, Aaron, just hearing the opinions of a lot of the fighters that I've spoken with over the last few weeks, there are a lot of them who feel that Justin Gaethje is going to do what no other man has done before, and that is beat Habib Nurmagomedov in the octagon or in any ring or cage on Saturday night. So it got me to thinking, since I haven't heard things this one-sided against Habib in a long, long time, maybe ever, is this the greatest lightweight title fight of all time, at least on paper? I think from an X's and O's standpoint, you can make the case, but I just don't think that it has the same allure as Khabib versus Connor. I mean, that was such a long time in the making. You look at the promotional materials that had come about from basically a year of promoting this fight. Uh, he was coming off of the uh, the Mayweather boxing match. Like, there was no bigger star than Connor McGregor. His star could not have gotten higher than it was after that boxing match. And then he goes in faces Khabib after that whole uh, situation with the, the trolley being, or the dolly rather, being thrown uh, through the window. You had that whole buildup, him flying all the way to Brooklyn to confront Khabib and his team. I, I think that if we're talking about the greatest, listen, from an X's and O standpoint, I, I certainly think that Gaethje poses a lot of problems, but it's not different than the Khabib fights where they say, well, what happens when this happens? How's Khabib going to deal with this? How's Khabib going to deal with Connor's uh, power striking? You know, the fight starts standing. How's Khabib going to deal with Tony Ferguson on the mat? If Tony Ferguson's throwing up submissions, how's Khabib going to deal with Ally Akinto? He's not going to be able to take down. How's Khabib going to deal with this, this, that, and that? He deals with it all the time. And he, and he always ends up coming out on top. And he, he barely loses any rounds. He lost one round in his entire UFC career officially. So people always are trying to come up with ways for people to beat Khabib. Well, let's see it. I mean, from an X and O standpoint, on paper, I sure think that Justin Gaethje poses a lot of problems for him. I don't think this is going to be a walk in the park for Khabib, but it could be. I mean, it's been a walk in the park for him in the past. So let's see what happens. In terms of when you're talking about the greatest, I, I just think the fanfare that was surrounding UFC 229 is what makes that the greatest lightweight fight of all time. Look at the buy rate. Look at uh, the, uh, the gate for that particular event. It was just a big ticket event. I think that from an X and O standpoint, right now, it seems like it can be a fight where Khabib can be, you know, handles a lot of problems. And hey, Gaethje could win the fight. Who knows? But I think that we need to look at this realistically and, and say that until we see somebody do something to Khabib outside of maybe winning a round, that we should probably just go with what we know. And what we know is that that was a, a super fight between him and Conor McGregor and possibly the biggest fight in UFC history. Jad, what do you think? Because I, I, I understand where, where Aaron's coming from. But I think there is a difference between biggest and greatest. Like biggest, like Connor and Habib, there's just no doubt about it. That is the biggest, the biggest 55-pound title fight of all time. Nothing's even gonna touch that, no matter what happens on Saturday. But as far as like the greatest title fight matchups, is this it? So I agree with you in that there is a difference between biggest and greatest, but no, this isn't it. And I do agree with Aaron that it, it's still Connor, Connor Habib. Uh I I mean, part of what goes into the greatest, the issue with this question here really is Khabib is in one fight 
he's fought one fight. He's just fought it 28, soon to be 29 times. It's There is no difference in what happens. That is part of the uniqueness of him. The fight is always one question. Can you stop the takedowns or not? If you can't, you're going to lose, and 29 people have lost. Uh, Glayson Tebow, who is a house on legs, is the only person who was able to kind of, you know, to, to stop that, and then he still lost anyway. But moving forward and in perpetuity, Habib is not going to win kickboxing matches against anybody. He can win rounds or time, but he's not going to win them. So by that measure, I, frankly, I, I don't think Gaethje has a chance here. I know that that probably makes me a, a little bit of an outsider in that view. I think uh, Habib is going to run through him with little to no effort. Uh, it, it will look similar to Poirier and, and McGregor. He is just going to beat the brakes off him because he's the best fighter we've ever seen. Um, and that is that is what it is. And so I don't consider this this fight that great because it, it lives with the same contours that the Connor Habib fight did. And I do think that those contours are great. There's, there is, you know, striker versus grappler is the classic matchup. And so there's a lot to build off from there, but everything else about this is just less interesting than the Connor fight. So you get a little bit more because people want to believe the wrestling background is going to keep, give Gatesy a chance. I just don't think it has any chance to matter. And so that negates for me, but the rest of it, the style personality, the, the, the clash of, uh, of personalities between Connor and Habib, even throwing away the buildup, which obviously was sensational. You've got a, you know, a humble, but very aggressive shit talker in Habib. And then the, the definition of playing the dozens in the sport. I mean, everything about them was contra- was contrasting in, in the most interesting ways. And it was always the, the greatest fight to me building towards. Whenever that finally would happen, it would be the greatest moment in the sport. And then it was. And just because the fight itself didn't deliver, the fight itself is never designed to deliver. Habib, by his nature, is never going to give you a fight of the year contender. He's going to beat the hell out of somebody who give you a beat down of the year contender, but he's never going to give you a fight of the year. And so this is kind of limited in that action. So I, I side with, with Aaron on this. I do think Habib Connor is, is the greatest fight for basically everything other than the in-cage product. I like that after you give me a point for creativity, he just goes and, and uses my exact answer. Well, apparently like you, the, the opposite of creativity. A, apparently that's how you score points. You just repeat what someone who is arguably smarter than you <laughs> says. But I oh, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I, I, I don't have a, I don't have a rebuttal for that. All right. Let me let me ask you this, Jed, because, I mean, you just wax poetically about it. And you've often said on the show that you feel that Habib is one of the greatest, maybe the greatest of all time in the sport. The and Justin, great. I mean, Justin Gaethje has that, you know, that crazy still in him, but it's a much more composed crazy. It's used more methodically instead of like every second of every round. Besides the undisputed title and the chance to be the one in 28 and one, what is that stake for Gagey? Like if he were to do what a lot of people believe he will do on Saturday, what will that mean for Justin Gagey in the grand scheme of things? I mean, I don't think a lot's at stake for Gagey in this. I think this is an all upside fight for him. I mean, obviously if he does get the win, tremendous it's going to launch him you know, catapult him into the stratosphere of stardom and all these other things. If he loses a, no one's going to knock him. He's still the most exciting fighter that's ever been in the sport. And I don't think that's up for debate. Honestly, I think that's pretty clear. Uh, if, if he wins, he gets a lot. If he loses, he doesn't lose much. So there's not a ton. There's not a ton being risked, but there's basically everything to gain. Uh, and I, but I mean, he's just not going to win. So it doesn't matter. Like we can talk about it. Like he's got a chance. He just doesn't like, he's going to get dump trucked. 
What are your thoughts on that, Mr. Brownsetter? I, I don't know if that's 100% fair to say. I mean, if you look at who Khabib has beaten, his resume isn't fantastic. He's, he's beaten Conor McGregor's obviously a massive win. Conor McGregor, you can argue, is a top 10 mixed martial artist of all time. Um, and then, of course, uh, the win over Poirier. Look at how good Poirier's been. That's another good win. But leading up to that, his resume doesn't have much. You got Ally Akinta. You got Michael Johnson. Um, you got uh, Abel Trujillo. You know, like there, there's a lot of decent names. But I, I think that a win over Gaethje would mean a lot for Khabib. And I also think that we do still have some questions to answer that maybe Justin Gaethje could pose. Like if Justin K- Gaethje can stuff takedowns, Nobody's been able to do it before, and I mean, like Ted said, it's this is a lot easier said than done. It's a, it's a maybe, maybe he can stuff a takedown, and then it's a no. it's, it might be a no. It might be a no, but I still think that Justin Gaethje has a better wrestling pedigree than anybody Habib has fought before. Um, but Abel Trujillo had a good wrestling pedigree and got dummied in that fight. So I mean, who knows? Let's see. I'm interested to see. I think Gaethje is one of the most exciting fighters. I think Gaethje has. Uh, as much power as anybody he's fought, maybe save for Connor. But I, I think that if you pair really good wrestling or defensive wrestling with the power, that's what everybody thinks is going to stifle Khabib. Again, everybody also thought that Tony Ferguson off his back would be able to sub Khabib. We never got a chance to find out. But I do think that with Gaethje, it's going to be an interesting fight. I, I'm not as confident as Jed is that Khabib's going to absolutely truck through him. But in my mind, I'm leaning towards that being the outcome. I think that until we see otherwise, you kind of have to assume that Khabib is just going to roll through everybody. So I, I'm, I'm eager to see if Justin Gaethje can do otherwise. I would love to see it. I think that it would be refreshing to see somebody actually be able to hang with Khabib. Um, even if Gaethje wins two rounds out of five, Like I still think that's a moral victory for him. But Gaethje could also knock him out. Who knows? It's MMA. Lots of crazy stuff happens all the time. How does he win two rounds and not knock out Habib? Keeps it standing. I mean, Connor won a round and didn't knock out Habib. Yeah, I think Gaethje has a lot more power than Connor. Connor, I mean, I don't Connor's know. I don't power know. is pretty. I don't know if that can be substantiated. How many Connor, like how many like ten second knockouts does Gaethje have? Connor has like three on his resume. Yeah, but Connor's not like those are kind of an anomalous for him. Like Connor has. In- really like that's frankly dude he knocked out jose aldo in like 13 seconds who had done anything to jose aldo before that like jose aldo had jose aldo been knocked down before that if if you'd let me me complete my statement here the thing the reason i am more interested in the x's and o's of the connor matchup is because connor i mean he has power i'm not saying the man has pillows for fists but he said it before several times he he's all about precision his knockout for aldo aldo was running forward and he put one precisely on his jaw and that seems to me to be a lot more of a possibility to catch Habib than I think Gaethje like just has way more raw power than Connor and so but he's just way less likely to land it and he can't stop the takedowns if this was the NCAAs great that wrestling pedigree might matter it is not it is a cage fight and he is he is a way less good athlete than Habib Nurmagomedov and he is gonna get steamrolled and that's just how it is for everybody in the division Certainly really? a possibility. <laughs> yes, I and see? A possibility. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I guess it's a, we'll see. But I, I, I do. I, I do think Gaethje poses unique challenges. That being said, until we see Khabib get challenged by anybody, it's hard to say. Oh, this guy's going to be. This is the guy. This is the guy. Way to take, a, way to take a firm stance, Aaron. I don't know. Maybe. Well, listen. This isn't a one hundred percent. You can't go into an MMA fight and say a hundred percent this guy's going to win. It's, Maybe yeah, it happens. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would say he's got a, a very large chance of it happening. And I think that, again, until I see somebody do something otherwise to Khabib, I'm going to just assume that he's going to be as dominant as he always has been. And he's still young. So let's see how it goes. Really love this fight. Creates this kind of conversation. And again, I've never, 
of all the Khabib fights that, that I've talked about and asked friends about and asked fighters about, never heard it so one-sided for the challenger or for the guy fighting Habib as I've heard it for Justin Gaethje. It's crazy. It's wild, but uh, I can't wait to see what continues to happen in this matchup as the point for this round goes to Mr. Jed Mishu. He is on the board. I like it. I like what's going on here. This is fun. This is fun. As we're going to take uh, an even deeper look at this card, Jed Mishu, UFC 254, obviously he's built around this title fight. There are some important matchups, some fun ones sprinkled throughout this card. So I am curious, outside of the main event, and there really is no wrong answer here, Jed. At least I don't think there is. And I shouldn't have said that because the last time I said that on this show, a panelist said that Kamara Usman was the fighter of the year in 2020. But anyways, that was in the past. What is the, the storyline? What's the storyline that has caught or will have your attention come Saturday night outside of the main event? What kind of an idiot would pick Kamara Usman for fighter of the year? I hope that I don't work with that guy and collaborate <laughs> with him on a literal weekly basis. That would be shameful if that were the case. Um, uh, so the correct answer is the co-main event. Uh, that's not that fun, and so I'm sorry to not come blazing with takes, but I imagine you'll give me an opportunity to dive a little deeper in the card uh, later. But I mean, I, I think pretty obviously the most interesting uh, storyline is is Robert Whitaker and, and where he is. Uh, you know, he, he has rebounded with a win from the Disney loss and potentially can get himself another crack at the title here with a win over Jared Cannonier. And on the other side of that, Cannonier has basically been handpicked by uh by israel by the champion if he can get through robert whitaker he's going to be the next guy up if that fight were to happen that's a super interesting clash of styles i mean of course i'm going to favor uh Adesanya there but i think jared cannonier is at least an interesting guy and his his move to middleweight has just been spectacular nothing short of it and so i think this is you know I, I would say this is a more competitive and interesting fight than the main event probably the most competitive and interesting fight on the card for me because i think robert whitaker is a little over it you know i think he's probably the wars with yoel romero the losses he has two losses to yoel let's just put that out there um but you know i think those two losses to yoel took a lot out of his career i'd say one but i got you yeah, yeah. His two losses. At least one. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's lost twice to the greatest fighter we've ever seen, not named to be. And that's okay. It happens to everybody. It happened to this and you as well. But, you know, those he took so much damage in those fights. I do think that he's feeling the effects of that. And uh, But, you know, we saw he's able to rebound. He still has plenty left in the tank, even if maybe he doesn't have the shine that he once did. And a huge step up for Jared Cannonier. Everything about that fight is super fascinating to me. Um, you know, how powerful are the crystals? All of that. So give give me the co-main event as far as the the next best storyline. What do you think, Aaron? Is that are you agreeing with the co-main event or you got something else in mind? Well, like Jed said, it's kind of a dumb question. There's only really one storyline that that matters outside of this, outside of maybe you could argue like can Walt Harris bounce back uh, and, and get back in the win column after you know, obviously the, the tragic death of his daughter. Um, wasn't able to do it last time against Overeem. I'd like to see how he does against Volkov. I think that's a great matchup, but that's not really from a storyline standpoint. I'm going to go with the co-main event, but I'm going to go in a bit of a different direction than Jed did. I don't think that it's about Robert Whitaker. I think it's about Jared Cannonier. You've got Israel Adesanya constantly for months saying that the dark horse of the division is Jared Cannonier. Well, let's see if he is. This is the number one contender in Robert Whitaker. And you've got Jared Cannonier, who's looked tremendous at middleweight, 
getting a crack at him. Let's see if he is the dark horse of the division, because I think a win over Whitaker will get him a title shot. I'm not confident that if Whitaker wins this fight, that you see Israel versus Whitaker again. I think Israel, there's a good chance he can move up to light heavyweight and face Jan Blachowicz. Think about it from a promotional standpoint. If Israel moves up, beats Jan Blachowicz, and is now the light heavyweight champion after John Jones vacated the title, like a Jones versus Izzy fight with Izzy as the light heavyweight champion is like that's bonkers like that's and that's john gets to the legendary polish power it works for everybody yeah so i mean i i think that you could see him say well listen i beat robert whitaker in the first round um i know that this is a big fight for oceania but right now in, in terms of this the status of the world i'm not sure how long we're going to be until we start seeing stadium crowds again i mean i know they could probably do it in new zealand given the low coronavirus cases but are they going to send their crew down to quarantine in a hotel for two weeks in order to make that fight happen in a stadium who knows? But be that as it may, I think that we're looking at the wrong party in terms of the co-main event in the story. I think that the story is Jared Cannonier and him proving that he has what it takes to beat a Robert Whitaker and ascend to the next level of this division. Because who's beaten Robert Whitaker outside of Israel Adesanya? And of course, arguably, Yoel Romero. I'll say that I think that he, I think Yoel won the second fight, and I, I think it was fairly clear. I thought that was a robbery. The first one I would give to Whitaker. But um, that, that, you know, that neither here nor there. I do think that Cannonier is the story, not Whitaker. No love for Casey Kenny trying to be a Hazmat Shemaya, Hamzat Shemaya part two, trying to get two wins on Fight no, Island. Nathaniel Wood was on the same card as him. What do you got to say about Nathaniel Wood? Are you yeah. disrespecting Nathaniel Wood? Oh, listen. Uh, he's turning Nathaniel, Nathaniel didn't win a fight two weeks ago on Fight Island, went home many, and came all the way how, back. How many weeks ago did he win? He, he won on Fight Island, didn't he? In July. I thought he, I thought he won on during this, this recent series, no? Mm-mm. Am I wrong on that? Okay. Let's well, get let's I'll get Casey to be wrong on Let's facts. get Casey to look into that. <laughs> Never okay. be wrong. Well, if on I'm wrong, facts, I'm wrong. That's impossible. Okay. Also, if you were looking for a more interesting, uh, you know, I'm not going to go and say that it was a bad question because I'd never do that to you, Mike. I, I think I you ask great questions. Uh, but if you wanted a, a question that can lead to some more interesting choices, uh, you know me. I love the deep dive. And this isn't even that deep of a dive, but. You can't tell me that Ty Trivasa Stefan Strube isn't going to be hilarious and fun. Like, when in doubt, heavyweight's always just amazing. And Stefan Strube, great personal story, the comeback. Ty Trivasa hasn't won in like a decade, but he can punch really hard, and Stefan Strube still doesn't know how to be tall. It It's just going to be calamitous fun, and I feel no shame for being really excited about that fight. Yeah, see, if you would have asked what fight are you most excited for outside of the main event, I would have had a different answer than the co-main event. I want to see Iwan Kutelaba uh, in, in that rematch against Ankalaev. I think that's an awesome fight. And I think those are two really strong fighters in that division. And I think Ankalaev has a good chance of being a champion in that division one day. So that would have been my answer. But, you know, you can go with whatever question you like, Mike. It's your show. Hey, listen, and that's and that's the beauty. It's a of great this show, game. Mike. Yes, it's the beauty that's of this game show. because you can take questions, you can interpret it however you'd like. If you want to, for most fun fight or you know deep fight, like however you want to see it. There's no wrong answers here, unless you say Kamar Usman is the best fighter of 2020. Yeah, that, that would be there are no wrong answers on this mm-hmm. show. I but, forgot. I forgot Cowboy Oliveira's on this card too. Um, he's fun. And that's. Uh, I mean, that's going to be a good fight just in general because Cowboy Oliveira is good at fighting and. This uh the the Shavak Rachmanov is that right? Did I pronounce that right? Um, Maybe. I let's let's go with yeah. I wouldn't say <laughs> yeah. Uh, undefeated prospect, so that's good. And I I still maintain that Cowboy is the correct next fight for Hamzat Chimeev. I think that's the fight I'd like to see Hamzat take. So. Uh, and I know Oliveira's asked for that. So if he can get a win here, get on the mic, maybe he can stir something up for a couple of weeks later down the line and fight Island. 
What do you fight, believe, uh, weeks, Hold on, week down the line in Fight Island. This is, this is the last event on Fight Island in 2020. Oh, well, see, now look, now I've been wrong about something, too. We're so even. even. Perfect. <laughs> Call it I'll square. I'll take it. Okay. All right. So we, we asked this question about something earlier. I, I think we talked about it in regards to how the main event played out this past Saturday. So, Aaron, what, what is the best case scenario for the UFC in this co-main event? Like, you got Cannonier, who Adesanya, the middleweight champion of the world, has a ton of respect for. He's already pegged him as the next guy if he wins. Taking on Whitaker, who was the champ. We've already talked about this. Adesanya dominated him. He's coming off the loss to Till. Dana White said, well, you mean you should still make the argument for Whitaker, but it doesn't matter. I mean, the, really the way that most casual viewers, most people watch sport look in this fight is if Cannonier wins, he's going to fight Adesanya. If Whitaker wins, they're going to skip over all this. We're doing 205, whether it, jo- whether it be Jones, whether it be Blahovich. All depends on what happens on Saturday. So what is the best case scenario? A Cannonier win or a Whitaker win? I think from a promotional standpoint, you've got to go with a Whitaker win because, as you mentioned, it opens up a, a Pandora's box. Because you now have Israel, who might say, I don't think I want to face Whitaker again, move up to 205, and then you can build towards that Jones fight. But I also think that if you do a Whitaker and um, Adesanya, rem- Adesanya rematch, and you do it in Oceania at some point in time, like that's always going to be a big fight there. So if you're looking at promotional value, it's not just about, uh, you know, oh, we've got a new challenger for the middleweight uh, title. And I know that Israel's been building towards Canadier being the dark horse of the division. But I think that from a dollars and cents perspective, if you're going to look at it that way, and from a promotional standpoint, I think the better scenario is if Whitaker wins in both cases. If he decides to face Whitaker again and you do that in front of a big crowd, the numbers in terms of pay-per-view for Australia and Oceania have been off the charts when Israel's been fighting. In fact, in New Zealand, his last fight actually beat the fight with uh, with Whitaker in terms of buys in New Zealand. So I think that that's still a mega fight whenever it happens. And I don't think that Cannoneer versus Israel is as much fun for the casual fan. Like, I don't think it's as intriguing of a fight. Um, I do think that Israel's built towards that. I just don't think that from a promotional standpoint, strictly promotional, that that's the best case scenario. Dad, what do you think? I agree. The less interesting fight is definitely the guy we haven't seen, the champion. Absolutely. Nobody said interesting. Promotional standpoint. Yeah, promotional from standpoint. a promotional standpoint. Making the, money is the promotional uh, standpoint. Making, That's what you want to do as a promotion is make money. That's what their business is. Their business yeah. model is one that makes money. How often do reruns outperform the original item? Like it's just – that's just nonsense. Jared Cannonier, the best outcome. Jared Cannonier blows the doors off Bobby Knuckles, gets on the mic, talks some trash, kicks up a fight, and that happens. I can explain if, to you when the rerun outdoes the original – I mean, you have the Australian audience, which is a big crowd, and a, a big, they're not going to be as interested if it's not Whitaker in there. They won't yeah, be as many buys. I don't think anyone's going to be that pumped about a Whitaker. It's a thing that you can do and won't be like miserable. It'll be fine, but everyone knows what happened in that fight, and that's just what it is. And frankly, I don't actually think Adesanya takes it. I do think he moves up to 205. But at that point, if we're just saying, well, he goes and takes the 205 belt. We're overlooking the legendary Polish power, and I will no longer ever underestimate Jan Blachowicz because he's knocked out too many people that I thought should have pistol whipped the man. So, look, champ, champ is champ, and he gets to be champ. And I may pick Adesanya if that happened, but Jan Blachowicz has earned my respect, and I will not say, yeah, just let Izzy move up, take that belt, set up the John Jones fight. I respect Jan. Let John Jones. I, I sound like it. Sound like you just think he's holding the belt well, for Adesanya. Answer this question for me, Jed. Answer this question for me. Yeah. If you were to do us a poll of every UFC fighter and say who's the most beatable champion right now in the UFC, what do you think the the number one answer to that question is going to be at any division? I mean, 
I don't know. Uh, no, you do know. You know the answer. You're just no. sitting on it. Unclear. You, do know, you know it's the very, answer. It's 100% clear what the answer it's very, is. And there's no disrespect to Jan Blachowicz, but people think they can beat Jan Blachowicz. And that's because we haven't seen Jan Blachowicz defend the title. We, yeah, apparently I've been, you I've been think very, he can I've been beat I'm not going to say that I've been impressed Jan, by Jan. I've been Jan, impressed by Jan, you. and I think Jan is a great guy. I really like Jan. I think that he's a, a good um, a good role model and a good person to be the, the champion. But I also think that if you ask people around you, like if you ask the fighters and you did a poll and it was an anonymous poll and you said, who is the most beatable champion right now? That I think it, far and away it would be Jan. Yeah, but like what does that have to do with anything? Realistically, it doesn't. It has to do exactly with what your argument was. My argument is that we're overlooking Adesanya and yours is, well, everybody's doing it, so it's okay. Who said, who said we're overlooking Adesanya? You are uh, – we're overlooking Jan Blachowicz. Sorry, I, I misspoke. And yours is, well, everyone's doing it, so that's okay? It is okay, yeah. That, I mean that's the How narrative. does that make any let's, sense let's, at all? If, if Jan Blachowicz ends up beating Israel, like you built this massive European star. Like Have I think you? the UFC would love to see Jan beat a Israel. Massive star. I think you sure. built a, a slightly bigger star, but you've also just if he beats Israel. Created, yeah, you've built a slightly bigger star, but you've really just cratered your existing big star. Yeah, like, that would be bad. But I mean, people have to lose. You know, like eventually fighters will lose in the UFC. You know. Yeah, you're. I think you're counting a lot of chickens, and I think that <laughs> it just makes. That's, the, that's the purpose of this question: is to count the chickens. We're being asked to count the chickens here. You're counting chickens like six years down the line. Like, <laughs> but that's, that's what you got to say from a promotion. I'm standpoint. saying right now, the best thing that happens is very obviously Jared Cannonier beats the brakes off Bobby Knuckles and sets up a pretty good middleweight title fight. And after pretty that. Good. Yeah, that after that, is he's just going to go fight John Jones anyway. Like, he can do a good title fight or maybe a rematch with Robert Whitaker, maybe not a bunch of, and eh, nobody's really options. that pumped about it. Options anything. are what promotions love. You don't like being written into a corner of your promotion. They need no, options. I, you want to you monetize easy. your stars. Yeah, I'm, if I'm stepping up to the plate, I'm not looking for the hardest pitch to hit. Give me something down the middle to launch out into the stratosphere. Yeah, that, that's the way Dana, Dana White thinks. He likes he likes just easy matchups that are just going to, yeah, that's the next rightful contender. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or two million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Uh, the final trip to Fight Island in 2020, creating a lot of discussion. That trip comes to a close on Saturday. This round closes with the point going to Jed Mishu. Jed Mishu. What a battle. Never a doubt. Never a doubt. 
What a battle. I stewed on that for a little while as you guys are going back and forth. But uh, you know what? There, there's no better way to close out regulation in a battle quite like this than talking about Bellator. That's right. Bellator returned stateside this past Thursday night with Bellator 249 in absolutely picturesque Uncasville, Connecticut at Mohegan Sun Arena. Chris Cyborg runs through Arlene Blanco in the main event. First submission win of her career, retains her title in pretty easy fashion. They lose the co-main event and a couple of hours before the main card's about to start. A lot of wild and wacky stuff in the prelims. But the ratings were at least on CBS Sports here in the United States and the overall listings non-existent. You couldn't even see them. In fact, I looked at it this morning and I laughed a little bit because old reruns of the Cleveland show, a high school football game, reruns of Ridiculous on MTV, all charted in the top 150 on Thursday night. Bellator did not. And Jed says that the reruns are never as good as the original. <laughs> Cleveland show reruns of the Cleveland show beat Bellator, which is crazy. So l- let me ask you this, Jed, because we talked about this right after Scott Coker made, made the announcement super early in the CBS sports era. But since the big reveal has been made, they've had some events, they've had title fights. They've made a ton of really good prospect and free agency signings, huge main event at next week's Bellator event between Musasi and Lima how would you grade what we've seen from Bellator since Scott Coker had that presser and made all of these different announcements? I feel so bad for Scott Coker because he is objectively good at his job. Like he does all the right things. He makes the moves that make sense. He is a good promoter by all accounts, seems like a good dude. Like he's not trying to lock people into restrictive contracts or abuse his workforce or, you know, take advantage of them to to personal for personal gain or any of those other things that potentially other people in combat sports may do and he just cannot win for losing like he everything that he's done I, I think has been good the last few months i think the fights they put together the prospect signings that you know they're uh, committed effort to European MMA and, and hosting events there, going to Paris, uh, you know, putting on events in Milan and, and staying focused on Italy in that regard. Like all of these are really great ideas and concepts. You know, letting Michael Chandler walk away. You know, not not trying to get into a bidding war and, and supporting him publicly and saying, hey, it's time. His journey with us is done. When he's done doing what he needs to do, there's a spot for him to come back here. And maybe Michael Chandler will be the first inductee into the Bellator Hall of Fame. He does everything right, and he just can't get a damn bit of traction. And it, I, I don't know the answer, man. It, it's it's tough because the the results are not there with with the process and and it's been that way for him for quite some time honestly before bellator and we're just seeing it again and i don't know if it's just the environment i don't know if you know people just aren't as interested in some of these things as the mma media is is pretty pro on but something is not working from a a ratings and a a a number standpoint and that means that they're going to have to change things up you know if they're not getting the traction with what they thought they might have to go back into the spectacle side of things or, or be less built around prospect development. And while that's fun, don't get me wrong, when when I get my time as the champion after the show, we're going to talk all about spectacle MMA. But it, it's not what Bellator has been lately, and uh, it's not what I think we collectively want it to be. And so 
again, I just feel bad for, for Scott Coker Bellator because he's doing all the right stuff and it, it's not getting him the results that it should. What do you think, Aaron? Like, is, is it just like time? Is it getting used to a new network, old habits, like waiting for the right fights? I mean, I mean, Chris Cyborg is a is a pretty big star for them, but it just doesn't seem to be translating in the ratings in the U.S. Like, what's going on here? What, what do you think they've? How do you think they've been doing here? The problem is the fights. Nobody's tuning into them because nobody's interested. They haven't built anything that is worth tuning into. The 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 when the featherweight Grand Prix comes back, that is worth watching. I'm excited for that. The Nemkov knockout over Bader was was that's a great highlight and it's good. And you know they they keep trying to push this narrative that they have the best light heavyweight division in in mixed martial arts. Great. And sure, maybe you can argue that. I'm up. Somebody who would. But I just don't think that they're getting any traction because the fights aren't good. They've got James Gallagher fighting people nobody's heard of again. Michael Page fighting people nobody's heard of again. There's no competition at all for Chris Cyborg. You know, people talk about Kat Zingano. Kat Zingano has just gotten into a decision with somebody nobody's heard of. We need to appeal to people by creating stars. And unfortunately, during the Coker era, they haven't been able to build any of their own stars. A lot of their great signings from before have fallen flat on their face. I mean, I think Antonio McKee Jr., I think, or AJ McKee, he's somebody who I think has a, a really bright future. Uh, I think Patchy Mix was a great signing and he's looked really good. But if you look at like Ed Ruth has fallen on his face. You look at Tyrell Fortune, he's fallen on his face. Aaron Pico has fallen on his face. I still think that there's hope for him. He's still very young. I, I just think that all of the moves that they've made that are supposed to push them forward end up being two steps backwards, and they just aren't building household names in the sport, and that's the big problem with Bellator. Um, you know, I, I would like to see them succeed. I think that the more competition, the better. But they lost arguably one of their top three names to the UFC like just recently. So how can you say the last two months have been good for them when one of their biggest names has left? And you look at the biggest stars in the sport, and a lot of them were built by Bjorn Rebney. Uh, you look at the, the Pitbull brothers. They're, they're two of the biggest names. You look at a lot of the prospects that have had success. A lot of them were from the Bjorn Rebney era. So, so in the amount of time the Coker's had to turn the ship around, he hasn't been able to do that. And I don't think CBS Sports is the answer either. I don't know, even know if they have as big of a footprint as the Paramount Network. In Canada, I had people messaging me, where, where can I watch Bellator tonight? Like, they don't know. Like These are MMA fans that have no idea where to watch the, the events. We don't get CBS Sports Network. I think we might get CBS Sports Network here. I don't even know. You have to look it up. But people are, are having people want to watch the fights and they can't find them. Like What's going on with this promotion where people aren't even able to consume their product? Like I want to give them the benefit of that. I really want them to succeed. I think that they have a lot of really quality prospects. I think their signings lately have been awesome. Usman Nurmagomedov is supposed to be a big up-and-coming star. Uh, Magomed Magomedov is a, a big star as well. Uh, like he's the last guy to beat Piotr Jan. He's a good fighter. Like they're 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 making the right moves, but it seems like none of them are panning out, and they, they end up signing a lot of the UFC's fighters, and then those fighters don't end up having a lot of success. I mean, Bader, of course, is, is certainly one of the exceptions, but you know, like then they headlined with like Phil Davis versus Musasi. Like, do you expect that fight to be good? Like, when I saw that fight, I'm like, I'm not going to watch that. It's not going to be a good fight. Did you think that that fight was going to be good? Did anybody think that fight was like, was anybody really jonesing for a Phil Davis and Leoto Machida fight in 2020? And you're headlining cards uh, with that? Yeah, no, nobody like, I mean, uh, sometimes they're the worst enemy and they can't get out of their own way. They, they need to do something. And I think the tournaments, the tournaments, the revenue that everybody was getting so sick of were better. They're better than these events. I hate to say it. The, the tournaments, the tournament uh, format that they had was better. Everybody was like, oh, the tournament format is so tired now. And then they start doing all these regular events and everybody's like, it's not getting any steam. The Rebney era was better than the Coker era. 
I hate to say it, and nobody says it out loud, but it's true. And I think Scott Coker, like you said, Jed, is a good promoter, and he and the fighters really like him. He makes good signings. He makes all the right moves, but it hasn't gotten any momentum, and they need to work on that. They really do. You know, I, the fight I was most excited for this past weekend was Syed Awad versus Mandel Nalo. It ends with like a low blow in two minutes, and I'm like, it took all the air out of the room. I'm trying to enjoy the event, and like I know what's going to happen in the Cyborg fight. So should I continue tuning in? Uh, sure, I, I like watching a, a cyborg fight. But did anybody think that she was going to lose that fight? Like, was there? If you would have pulled a hundred people that know anything about MMA, it was like, do you think that some that an Australian fighter with a boxing background is going to beat Chris Cyborg? It's like, no, no, I don't. So, I mean, I want to watch them and I want to watch the events and I like a lot of the stars that they're bringing up. But it seems like the Michael Page fights that are the most fun are the ones where he's he's picking on people that he shouldn't be in the cage with. James Gallagher, whenever he's uh, met really high-level competitions, he loses or, or doesn't end up being a fight, or the fight falls apart. Like, they, they, they just can't get out of their own way, and I don't know what they can do to turn it around, but they have to do something because, like you said, the ratings were non – you said they're non-existent. I don't even know. Does, do they track CBS Sports Channel in terms of ratings? I don't but, know. I think so. I, I yeah, think I do. don't know. I don't know. But that's the thing. Like, there's, there's not enough information out there for us to be able to make, like, a real true observation about where they're at. And the UFC have been unsung heroes this year by what they've been able to do in the pandemic era. They wouldn't shut down. Bellator does shut down, and then they come back with, like, okay cards. I know we're saying this, like, less than two weeks before their biggest fight of the year, arguably, Musasi versus Lima. Like, I can't wait to watch that fight. I will be tuning into that fight. I'll find out where CBS Sports is in Canada. and I'll, It's on the zone in Canada. But I won't watch that fight. I'll go out of my way to find that however I can. That's an awesome fight. And asking this question now is a little bit unfair because I think a lot of people are looking forward to that fight. But... I mean, nothing's done it for me so far this year. Nothing. I'm sorry. Like the, the Nemkov Vader fight, I'll say was was good. Like that, that I was a little bit excited about. Archuleta mix was good. Really. That was a good. Archuleta fight. mix was a good fight too. I'll give yeah. Archuleta mix was a good fight. I'm a big I'm a big fan of both those guys. They're both great fighters, um, and I think that both of them have a great future. So yeah, that's a good fight too. And I tuned into that one. But so if, the other so, fights like and then they do these international events. I'm like, I don't know. Like they they they. They do them live to tape, like still in the year 2020. They like, I'm on Twitter and like people in uh, in Europe are like, oh, this guy just won. It's like, okay, well, no reason for me to watch tonight. Oh, here's the highlight. Okay, great, cool. It's <laughs> happening in real time, and they don't show it until later, and on a, on a digital platform. <laughs> they don't show it till later. They don't show it live on a digital platform. Like, what are we doing here? And if they if they are, I don't know. I didn't know they they were doing that now. They, ha they certainly weren't doing it last year when I was asking, saying, hey, is this going to be on the zone when it's actually happening? And they're like, no. But I'm like, but I'm paying, like, I'm a subscriber to this service and you're showing me stuff on tape delay. Like in 2020. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's in, like, I, is there an argument against this? Like, is there anybody who can be, well, I kind of get this. No, nobody gets it. Nobody gets it because it's, it's, it's a bird brain move. And I don't know if it's part of their rights deal, but it never should have been. <laughs> And like, I'm sorry, I'm so, like I'm, I'm, I'm running so out of gas here. For but, you, but, Aaron. Yeah. you have been wronged that you cannot watch the Costello Van Steenis, Fabian Edwards fight. I know. That I know I could you not were watch that live. By the way, you derisively spoke about every other card they put on <laughs> saying that you won't watch it. So you're one of those people who I'm not going to watch it. But if you're not even going to give me the option to watch it, <laughs> screw yourself. I should have the right to tell you I don't want to watch it. If it's a good what fight, I'll watch it. I will here. watch it. But if I already know the result, I'm not watching it. I'm not watching it if I know the result. If they did Lima versus Musasi in Europe, I wouldn't watch it if it was on tape delay. I would find out the result. Be like, just go on Twitter. Obviously not. They scared. Look, look. On at core concept, the tape delay is a dumb thing in 2020. Like, there's 
just not a real great argument. But it's harder for me to swallow that argument when you preface it by saying, I wouldn't watch this garbage anyway, but oh, by the way, how offensive is it that I I don't get to watch this? Yeah, so, I would watch Michael Page if it was live. I would watch it. Like I And I did watch Michael Page. I like I think Michael Page is awesome. He's must see TV, but like, let me watch it live. Like, why won't? Why don't I have the option to watch it live in 2020? I don't know. It just feels like there was a lot of. Uh, I, I took a, a tactic out of your book there and just let you ramble because it felt like you contradicted yourself about seven. I didn't contradict myself about anything. What did I contradict myself about? Well, they they're not developing prospects, but they've signed a bunch of prospects. Yeah, they have, well, they haven't developed them. They signed them. And then I the mean, ones that they have signed, they you, haven't developed properly. How do you not develop? It's Ed Ruth. They brought him along. He fought a bunch of people, and at some point, you have to win the fights. Like, well, he, he, uh, Ed Ruth looked like a great prospect when they signed him. It was a big story. He was like a, a rest, like a potential Olympian. He well, has crazy. He's got this crazy Ed range. What he, did Scott Coker do to screw up Ed Ruth? I don't know. Like Ed Ruth could have fought better. I, I don't know. It just didn't work out. And same with Pico. So they they matching Pico out with guys that were better than – like they didn't develop Pico. They should have done the Michael Page uh, formula with Pico, but they didn't. They threw him in there with guys that beat him. Like I think Aaron Pico is so much fun to watch. I love watching Pico, and I'll watch all of his fights. But and Unless they're on tape delay. I'll watch all of his fights. But Man, you're just I, just, really like, I just think that they can't get out of their own way sometimes, and it's a problem. Too? Like are you just against watching reruns? Because we know your opinion on reruns. You're very into them. I wouldn't watch it live and then watch it again at night. If that's what you're saying, I would not do that. So they so, didn't they didn't air the MVP card on the zone, not like live. No, yeah, I think they. Pay, I think it was I, was like, I was like, I watched the page fight live, and I don't know why. Like maybe it was on CBS Sports, but maybe that's why. Yeah, I don't know, but it seems like that's been. I don't know if that one was live or not, but I just know that part of their formula has been showing these fights on tape delay for no reason. Yeah, like you have a digital platform. The Galher, the Galher car is on YouTube. It was a, on their YouTube page, which people didn't even know about. They didn't exactly. even know. They don't know about it. They don't know where to find it. Yeah. That's a problem. Like, you need to get your messaging right. It's It seems easy. Like, the UFC sends me an email. Hey, watch this tonight on whatever channel. Yes, sure. <laughs> but I already know what channel it's on because it's always obvious. <laughs> I mean, listen. Yeah, it's on ESPN. <laughs> has anybody ever said, why, why can't I find this this UFC car? Why, why, where, am I, where am I supposed to watch this? They know. <laughs> They know the answer to that I question. Mean, I have when and where that statement before. That was years ago, mind you. But certainly, I mean, the the fact of the matter is, the UFC during the Fox yeah. during the Fox, uh, yeah. you know, that was an issue. Was it was just, like on FX. Where is this? It makes sense. It's fuel yeah. TV. Like it was. No one ever had any idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair enough. But they're bad. They're past so, that right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're just a massive corporation, and Bellator has good funding and backing. But oh yeah, Viacom's a small corporate. Small potatoes, Viacom. Who? 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 Who's yeah, Viacom? Let's not act like Bellator is top of the list on Viacom's concerns. Yeah, but you're saying that their company has nothing. They don't have the resources. No, I'm they saying have the they have good backing, but their company is still small. Like, you can work for a company that is owned by a conglomerate or Fortune 500, and you're still left fairly autonomous. And you know, you have some benefits to that. But you. But they're part of the show. They're under the show sports umbrella now. Like they, they have resources. Like this isn't a fly-by-night regional promotion. And they've had many years to get it right. Yeah, and their resources put them with CBS Sports, which is your your issue here is largely with CBS Sports. Is no, I don't I don't I don't know about CBS Sports. I don't know where to find CBS Sports. Well, exactly. So I'm in Canada. I don't know. And then people are messaging me like I'm supposed to tell them where to, where to watch Bellator in Canada. I'm not I'm not a TV <laughs> guide. 
Then how and then I have to go find out where to watch it so I can tell them. They're not providing you a better viewing experience as Canada. And that's true, though. But who cares? They're not providing anybody a good experience if they're showing stuff on tape delay. Nobody wants to watch stuff on tape delay. Man. That's true. They seem to have. They're they're at least trying to fix that problem. In the well, U.S., yeah. they fixed it. Whenever so I ask about it, they're like, "Oh, it's outside of our control." Like, well, why would you sign a deal where you can't show your own product live? Because they get money. Um, is that too obvious of an answer? Do they? <laughs> I mean, it seems like now that it seems like now they're burying the zone. Like they're not even. They don't even want to. They're distancing themselves from the zone. Well, they should have done that immediately. It's called the zone. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I can't argue with you on that. I cannot argue with you on that. That one you win. I'll give you the point on that one. I mean, <laughs> oh, he gave me the point. It's done. Three to one. Just on that, just Three on that one point. Victory. On that one point, I'll give him. I'll give him the point. Listen, on that how can you not? How can you not give Aaron the point in this round? Three, because he just gave me the point. It's a three-to-one victory. We're done. <laughs> he gave you a point uh, inside the point. The point inside the point. I give you a fraction. You got like yeah, a decimal you like point. Tenth of a point. This is like the big short. How does the overarching point not score if the one at the at the basis of it? doesn't get there. The point inside the point goes here. The full point goes here. <laughs> all right, I'm well, victorious. Well, Jed, you've got a whole new round to make up for it, so it's all yes, good. Yes, that whole rant was amazing. I, I fight this this last round under protest because I've already won. Listen, I want Bellator to do well. Like, I'm not I'm not an anti-Bellator guy. I think that they have, a, like, a decent product and, and some good up-and-coming talent. I just, I, I just don't think they're doing it right, and I don't know what the answer to that is, but it seems like they can't get out of their own way sometimes. I like. I, I mean, obviously, this card next week is is pretty damn good. You got Musasi Lima for the title. That's a great fight. Nick Newell's back. Even Jake Hager is going to be on this card. Jack Swagger will be will be fighting. And then some good uh some good matchmaking with Jared Scoggins making his Bellator debut. He's going to fight Toby Misex. I mean, there's some good some good fights in this card. And if Musasi Lima doesn't end up on the top that's one, that's a great fight. Good card. I mean, that's, that's a good card. Ridiculous. But the last so, two months, they have like there, there haven't been a lot of standout cards the last two months, and that's like I don't know what that is. They had a lot of time to put it together, had months off. Yeah, and then the featherweight Grand Prix is coming up next uh, in and a couple of weeks. Forgetting so. the France first, I think that's a big move for them going into Huge. Paris. I think that's that's good for them. So, yes. so they do a couple things right here and there, but it just seems like the overall product has not grown for whatever reason. Yeah, it's it's hard to put your finger on, but uh, I mean, listen, I think Aaron said it best. We all want Bellator to do well. It's good for everybody. Uh, Aaron's going to get the point as we head to the knockout round. I can't freaking wait for this. What a shocking revelation. We never go to the knockout round on the show, but uh, there is one question left. Each competitor is going to have 60 seconds to answer said question. They have no idea what I'm going to ask, but once they finish up, Casey Lydon, the judge, the jury, the executive producer will render the final decision. So Jed... You get the option here because you are a former winner. You are a former champion. Would you like to go first or would you like to go second? I like the lead-in for judge, jury, and executive uh, producer instead of uh, executor. What's he he talking about? Uh, I'm just buying time so you can have more time to repair. I'll go ahead and take the lead. Why not? I can be done. I've already won. This can just bury him even further. I am the champion. So sure, let's... I've never actually gone first, so... Uh, well, let's do it. Okay. It's funny enough because this day has just been bananas between trying to find guests and time switches and all that stuff that probably like 10 minutes for the show, I find like, I came up with the final question. Like, this is what we're going to do. And it turns out that Jed already partially answered the question. So we're going to add a little bit of a piece to it because we have let some time pass since his quick knockout win over one Gerald Mearshart the third. And we've seen a lot of matchmaking ideas, callouts, et cetera. 
So a two-part question, Jed, because I think everybody knows where we're going here. We're talking Hamzat Jemayev, ladies and gentlemen, who still doesn't have his next fight booked. And we talked about how brilliant the move was to double book him. And it turns out the whole thing was smoke and mirrors. So it was like a moot point to even talk about the double booking because the Damian Maya fight wasn't as done as originally laid out by Dana White. So the question is for you, Jed, it's a two-parter. How would we grade the UFC in this Shamayev booking and hype department now since the Mearshart win? And at this point, after hearing him speak, seeing and hearing options, you want Cowboy Oliveira. Why Cowboy Oliveira for December 19th? If all goes well this weekend. 60 seconds on the clock and your time starts now. So for grading the UFC, I, I still think they're doing a really good job with it. Even if the Damian Maia fight didn't happen, the double booking thing has built this aura around Hamzat, which is pairing with what he's done to be this indestructible guy, and people are really interested into him. I think at this point, he's probably the fighter of the year. Maybe that changes, but I think booking-wise, they're doing okay. I want to see Cowboy Oliveira. I think that's the best fight that makes for, makes sense for him because Cowboy Oliveira is the kind of right test for development. What we know about Hamza, I wrote about this actually past weekend. We just know very little about Hamza at this point. We know he can grapple and he punches hard and he's really good athletically, but we haven't actually seen him fight against a real test. And Alex Oliveira is going to athletically challenge him and not just be someone who gets rolled over. I'd like to see him take that step before he got really in there with the top 10 top 15 opponent and then after that double book him for that so do Alex Oliveira and then Chris Weidman said he wanted it fine Chris Weidman you get the business next okay Jed Mishu has given his answer Aaron Bronsetter same question for you 60 seconds on the clock it is Shemayev mania here in 2020 and it continues right now your time starts now I think they've handled it great because we're still wondering who he's going to face like they keep teasing who it's going to be is it going to be Neil Magny is it going to be Throw him in the deep end. Let's have him face Leon Edwards. They don't want to give Leon Edwards a title shot. And everybody thinks this guy is, is like a world beater in, in Shemaev. And that I spoke to a lot of uh, odds makers, and they think that he would be favored over most of the welterweight and middleweight division. Let's fast track this guy. Leon Edwards doesn't want to fight anybody, it seems. Nobody wants to fight Leon Edwards because they, they, they don't think that there's any clout in fighting <laughs> Leon Edwards. Let's chase some clout. Hamzat Shemaev versus Leon Edwards. Let's fast pack this guy right to the top of the welterweight division. The way that he dominated those guys, I'm sold on this guy. I want to see him fight the best of the best already. I know that's that you don't want to fast track guys, and I talked about Pico earlier and all that. Leon Edwards, nobody wants to fight this guy. It seems like they don't want to push him to the championship level. Let's give him Shemaev because if he beats Shemaev, now he beat this guy that everybody thought was going to be unbeatable. And if Shemaev beats him, he's right there in the mix for the title. And I think that they want to fast track this guy. They want to build a big name out of him. So that's my that's my pick. I don't think it's going to happen. But if I had the book, Leon Edwards would be his opponent. Jed, what would you like to say in response to this? Because you reacted in just a hilarious way right away. And I, and I wonder why. Because he said it himself. Aaron Pico, who knocked out Leandro Ego in spectacular fashion, but giving him Henry Corrales is a bridge too far, and we've ruined this spectacular prospect. Hamza Shemaev has beaten nobody nearly as good as Leandro Ego, and we're going to give him Leon freaking Edwards? Have we Let's lost do it. Fast track time? Fast track time. Let's go. Let's go. Everybody's confident in this guy. Everybody says he's going to be a champion one day. Let's a man get the ball who rolling. speaks out of both sides of his mouth deserves to have them permanently closed. Let's Boy, get the ball rolling. Let's get the ball rolling. <laughs> Leon Edwards, baby. You want a good main event? 
Give him the give him one of the top guys. Uh, get, also, get, Leon Edwards has never produced a good main event either. What are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, but now he would. Don't you think people would want to tune in to see what would happen in that fight? See if this I mean, guy's for real. It's still and Leon, and Edwards, Leon Edwards fight, smokes him. Now, now Leon Edwards in. is like, wow, he beat that guy that nobody thought he was going to beat. I don't think anyone cares about Leon Edwards for any. But they would after he beat Shemaev. If they hype up Shemaev and say this guy's this guy's the next guy, this guy's the guy to beat. Questionable at best. He's still Leon Edwards. And Leon Edwards doesn't fight wrestlers ever. So now you got a good wrestler that's going to challenge him in that regard. I think it would be a fun fight, and I think I think people would tune in to see it. Wow. I, I honestly, I mean, this this whole game has been two differing opinions, and I love it so much. Just, I, like, I want five more questions. People are going to kill me for saying he's fight Leon Edwards. Everybody thinks that this guy, oh, he hasn't beaten anybody. Look at what he does in the cage. The guy's a monster. He's, he's just an absolute beast. He's crushing people. Pretty easy and to be are, a monster. And you talk about Pico. They're grabbing people from the regional scene for Pico to face. These are UFC fighters he's, he's beating. You're right. Hamza Chimaev is a monster because he dump-trucked John Phillips, who put a phenomenal grappling display on against hey, John. John Phillips has a UFC win. And Gerald Mearshart has the most submission wins in uh, middleweight history. You heard of him? He's good. good yeah, Gerald Mearshart looked that was like his step was up. That was the step-up of Gerald Mearshart. And how did he respond to that? Gerald Mearshart looked defeated instantaneously and then actually was defeated instantaneously. So it worked out really well. Yeah, well, that was the test. Everybody said that was the big test. Let's see how he does against this guy. Pass the test with flying colors. So let's, you know, let's see it. Fast track the guy. I'll tell you what. No matter how I feel or Jed feels or Aaron feels, it only comes down to the opinion of one man. And that man is the judge, E. Casey Lydon. And I know how Casey thinks about this whole situation, or at least how he did when this whole phenomenon started. So I am fascinated to hear who is going to come out victorious. So we turn it over to you, Casey. What do you think? You've heard the arguments. How do you rule? Well, first of all, good day, gentlemen. Um, I don't understand why we have a minute timer. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just put that out there. Rebuttals in this round as well. I was in there for the minute, and then everybody started asking questions. <laughs> Woo. You know, I, I actually I I made my decision at the minute point, but then at the two minute point, I kind of changed, and at the three minute point, I was like, hmm, a lot of good arguments here. So you're making me work overtime now. It's a draw, isn't it? Yeah. The majority draw. <laughs> the, the mustache picks somebody. <laughs> Oh man, uh, I feel like there, I feel like there was a groin shot in there somewhere. Could they could count? Um, all right, your winner, Mr. Jed Mashu. Oh man, that was, that was the only rightful decision. I already won in regulation anyway, so <laughs> that's how we get here. This was the best. This was the overall was pound for pound best matchup. Maybe of all time. Hey guys, confetti, confetti is falling. Confetti's falling. It's, it's the two goats. It's it's the. Khabib. Oh, when Cowboy Oliveira loses this weekend, his answer's gonna suck. So whatever. <laughs> your answer is bad objectively, anyway. So then I'd just be tying. Your My answer is in. bad in the eyes of almost everybody. But I wholeheartedly believe he could give Leon Edwards a run. I maybe it, to to maybe. steal your answer from way back. Maybe I. Don't, we haven't seen anything to prove that, but maybe we haven't seen anything to prove otherwise. That's very optimistic of you, Aaron. I'm just going to take a moment to shower in the confetti that's raining upon me, the victor. 
Yeah, so while you're showering, you have 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about, good, bad, and different in the sport of MMA, maybe some cam soda, whatever you want to talk about. Wow. It's like you know me, Mike. <laughs> I will just leave and say, Casey, I wasn't going to reply, but then Mike asked me to reply, and I couldn't not say it. So thank you for not judging me against that. But yeah, my time is devoted to cam soda. Uh, if you aren't aware, cam soda is the best thing that happens in MMA. Uh, and they have their next event. It is scheduled for November 14th. Uh, it is partnered with, uh, with Fight Dojo or uh, full, full Metal Dojo, sorry. Uh, I don't know anything about what's going to go on this card. And frankly, none of us probably will for weeks to come. But whatever ends up happening will be amazing. I have spoken with the Fight Dojo uh, guys or the um, Full Metal Dojo guys. And they've got a lot of ideas on the cutting room floor from their first iteration. And maybe some of those will make it in here. It's going to make you feel weird and a little bit icky inside, but it's also just the best time you can have watching fighting. So November 14th, Cam Soda comes back. Round three, baby. Fight circus time. Aaron. Well, K- Casey now knows he made the wrong decision, but congratulations. <laughs> anyway. so- Casey loved fight circus because it's the best. I lost my mic for a second there. And there, I think we're back. Okay. No, no, we, your audio is your audio still messed up. He's laughing. Oh, there you go. You're back. You're back. Yeah, I was laughing so hard that I pulled the cord out of the damn microphone. This is such an amazing show. Aaron, any final words for the people? This is uh, this this is as close to a draw as you could have gotten here. No, I got nothing. I I I'm just I'm still floored by the cam soda promotion. I I don't really know what to say after that. There's nothing I could say really that would be better than that. I mean, that's just a, it's a very odd, and now we all feel awkward. So congratulations said- to Jetta. Who's had a better year, Cam Soda or Bellator? Cam Soda, I I picked that up you, next on the next edition. <laughs> next <laughs> the cliffhanger. There's too I've much. Or I am when we do end of year things, I'm legitimately putting Fight Circus as in my event of the year, and Alex is going to too, and we're gonna have enough to make somebody write about it. So like <laughs> you'll have you'll have that being in like second place over like in terms of aggregate than Bellator potentially. Uh, maybe let's see, let's see how it goes. <laughs> if if this next event comes through, I'm gonna do nothing but talk fights uh, Cam Soda forever. Cam Soda is the best. Cam Soda is, is look what you've done, Casey. Look what you've done. <laughs> hey, there's a kid behind you. Yes. Hey. Yeah, he's been bugging me. He's like, when can I come? <laughs> so there he is. So now you're on. Confetti flying. Thank you very much, Grayson. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Jed. Thank you all for watching and listening. For Casey Lydon on the production side, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn leading us in. I am Mike Heck. We'll see you back once again next week on Between the Links. Enjoy UFC 254. Good night, everybody. Love you guys. This has been Between the Links with your host, Mike Heck. Brought to you by MMA Fighting, a production of Vox Media. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. 
The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, one no sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Anthropic. 